Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. We are back and live this week talking some summer baseball with one of the premier programs in the country, Canes national team. Their head coach, Jeff Petty, joins us, and he has quite the resume. He's produced over 20 first-round draft picks. They've had over 150 MLB draft picks out of high school. But we get a lot more in-depth in this episode and talk about college recruiting, um, the pros and cons of picking a big school versus a small school, why even after you commit to a college, you, if anything, you need to start working harder because colleges are pulling offers all the time. Very great episode um, for those out there who are uh, A, college coaches, B, parents of players, and probably last but probably most importantly, players that you guys listen in this episode. There's some really great stuff in here that um, is applicable to you. So if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to head on over to iTunes. If you could just make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a short review, that's going to help more players and coaches find out about this podcast and specifically this episode, and it's going to help more people um, across the country. So hope you enjoy this episode with Jeff Petty. All right, Jeff, uh, appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. So could you uh, could you paint a picture um, for our audience on just your coaching career, where you've been, who you've coached, and just how long you've been doing this for? Um, not to make you feel old or anything, just for context uh, of the listeners. Sure, yeah. No, I, I graduated college in 2004 from UNC Pembroke. Um, and got a job teaching down the road at a local high school in 2005, uh, Pernell Sweat High School. Uh, physical education teacher, baseball coach. I was a head JV coach that first year. Then the next year, uh, got to be an assistant on the varsity level. And then I moved back to Virginia, where I'm from, in 06. Um, I started the Canes in 05, and that was our first team we ever had. And I've been doing it ever since. I mean, so here we are 15 years later. Uh, so that's, that's where I'm at. Um, moved back to Virginia. I'm still here. Uh, took a high school job here in town, uh, Fredericksburg Christian school last year. So this would have been my second season here. Um, if we would have been playing, we, we got four games and three scrimmages and one game in with the high school team before they shut us down. But, uh, that's kind of, I mean, I've been real fortunate, uh, obviously with the Canes coached some really good players and we've had 20 first rounders, um, like 150 picks, 150 picks out of high school. Um, it's been a lot of fun. We 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 get we get to coach a lot of good players and compete at a high level against other teams like ours that we have a lot of mutual respect for, and and uh, it's it's certainly been a lot of fun. It's certainly blessed for sure. So you guys have one of the, I mean, essentially, you know, one of the best teams in the country year in, year out. Like you just said, you have 20, you, you've produced 20 first rounders. Um, I mean, how, how do you go about building that up? Because clearly a lot of people want to have that type of success. But I mean, there's there has to be some sort of way um, that you did it that, you know, you've done it right. Well, I mean, I think early on we were fortunate to get really good players in our system and we really weren't doing a lot with them if we were going to look in the mirror we weren't developing them at all i mean you early i mean i 
we've been doing this podcast. I've been doing this podcast with Rob Younce, who works for the Canes. He started this podcast called the Canes Cast ever since this coronavirus thing started. And we've had Jake Cave on and Chad Pender and all these big leaguers, Tyler Beattie, and that played with us. And back then they would just show up and, you know, we'd play and that was about it. And, you know, we start to really evaluate, well, we're not really giving these guys a whole lot. And we started to change that and try to find ways to evolve every year. So now, I mean, it looks like where a kid comes on in the summertime, it's an aggressive schedule. Uh, but they don't need their parents to travel. So they can come alone. Uh, we have a team bus, so they'll pick them up at the airport. Um, we have room checks every night. We eat meals together every day. Uh, team meetings. Uh, we always rent an off-site field to take an on-field BP and get a good stretch. We we have a really good strength and conditioning coach. He's based out of Southern California named Josh Wright. I think he has like a 7,000 square foot gym in uh, SoCal. And he's on the road with us full-time and our guys are being able to train on the road and learn what it's like to play baseball consistently and be in different cities and still work out and take care of their bodies. And you know, if we have 15 pitchers on the, on the uh, road with us, they're all on schedules uh, with our trainer, you know, what have you, you, know, you threw yesterday, this is what you're doing today, or you're out of the bullpen today. This is what you're doing or whatever. I mean, we really have tried to give them a next level experience. And when you do that, you attract really high level players. So, I mean, you know, you win with Jimmy's and Joe's not X's and O's. I don't care you know, how great your baseball knowledge is as a manager, when you've got some pretty good players, it, it makes, it makes things a little easier, you I'm know, as far one, as the, the W. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, it's true. I mean, I, I, I'm really fortunate. I got a great pitching coach. I've got two great assistant coaches um, that I think with, with our staff combined, I mean, high school wins. Uh, one of my assistant coaches, Greg Connor, I think he's won 500 something games as a high school coach in Virginia. He's on our staff and, our pitching coach is very good. and But again, I mean, when you have these players that we have, it, it makes things a little easier when you start talking about sorting out, you know, W's and L's. Do you go about, do you reach out to those players or are they reaching out to you or a combination of both? Like, how does that work? Well, sh- yeah, it's certainly a combination. I mean, so we're, we're fortunate. Our GM is very good. Dan gets in and he gets these, a lot of these kids that they're 14 years old. And they come through the system, and, and, you know, you're sitting there on, on some of these guys. We were very fortunate. I mean, like Joe Adele, Mackenzie Gore, they were first-round picks. They came through our program at 14 years old all the way through. But then you have a Seth Beer, who their agent calls us, or their advisor, whatever you want to call it, and it's the summer going into his senior year, and you get a call in the fall. And you're like, hey, Seth Beer's available. He wants to come play for you next summer. Well, I know who the heck he is. He's a really good player. And we take them. Um, and that happens where agents call us and they're like, they want to place them on our team for that summer before their senior year of high school. So we're really fortunate. And, you know, if you, if you treat those kids well and you do a good job with them, then, you know, the advisor is going to call you up the next year. And he's going to say, hey, I got this guy, I got this pitcher. So, you know, it's a combination, I think, at our level where you got some guys organically kind of coming through and then you have, you're fortunate that the phone rings and, and quite honestly, we don't have a, enough spots to take all the guys that we're getting calls on. That's crazy. So you guys have agents calling you recommending players. hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 uh, do you ever think it would again, come to that? 
No, absolutely not. I mean, I don't think you sit there at 22 years old, you know, I get out of college and I want to start this little travel team with a, a, a pitcher that I played with in college who's from Chicago. Uh, he was one of our relief pitchers named Dan Barzo. And then my best friend, I played high school ball with JP Hansen. The three of us took this team to Orlando, Florida in 05. No, you're not sitting there thinking that 15 years later, this is where you're going to be. And if you do say that and you're just flying, I think it was just a combination of just being around a lot of good people and the chips kind of falling. a lot of hard work, but doing things right. Like wanting to learn, like, you know, being a constant learner, surround yourself around people that, that, you know, that don't think they have it figured out. And just, this is where you are 15 years later. So you guys are based out of Virginia. How often do the players actually go to Virginia? Yeah, we, we don't, not my, not, not my team. Um, you know, with that said, it's funny you ask the nationals, the Washington nationals are building a beautiful ballpark here in the town. I live Fredericksburg, Virginia, it's going to be turf. It's going to be their high A stadium. And in my high school, we're building a brand new facility. There's going to be two fields on site. We're really doing it right. I think it would be kind of cool maybe down the road to have them come here, have some host families and maybe keep them together on days we're not playing and really even utilize that bus even a little bit more, you know, kind of leave here, leave out from here and go play again, hypothetical, but, um, it's, uh, just, you know, wanting to evolve because, you know, sometimes they're with us for four days and then they leave for three and then they're back for five and then they leave for three or leave for five and then they're back for seven. It'd be kind of cool to have a base during the summertime and operate that way. But typically we're playing in big cities. You fly in a day early, but if the event starts on Friday, you fly in Thursday morning. We practice. Now usually we fly in Wednesday night and Thursday is just a practice day. And then we start play Friday, if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, how many days on the road would you say during the summer uh, your team is? Yeah, so last year we had June and July, you know, I think we were on the road around 40 out of the 60 days. I mean, it's hectic. Wow. It's a busy summer. That's a very busy yeah, summer. Yeah, I mean, we were. And yeah, then we you were guys in crank it back up again in the fall? We do. In the fall, um, you're gonna, you lose some guys, but you know, most of them are back. And we, I think we do around four things in the fall. Um, and that's, that's it. The fall is a lot lighter. What would you say? I mean, obviously, you're pretty, uh, pretty deep in summer baseball and been doing it for a long time. How can summer baseball be improved as a whole? Because you hear a lot of people will say, you know, make jabs at it here, you know, there and here and everything, and everyone's always seems like complaining about something. What, like, how can, how can it be better? Yeah, I mean, more development. More development. I mean, spending time teaching fundamentals. More practice time. I think that that can be done. You know, I, I don't think you need a shiny bus or whatever to get that done. You just simply rent a facility in the area that you're playing in and slot practice time. I think the kids need it. Um, you know, throwing teams together and just slapping a lineup on the wall and no instruction whatsoever, no teaching of the game. Your kids don't have a clue what to do in bunt situations. Um, 
you know, there's no signs being given. It's a first and third situation. They, they don't know where the ball's going. Nobody's backing up bases. I mean, it, that's a common thing, and that's sloppy. And, you know, people should complain about that. There's a lot of good that comes out of travel ball, though, too. You know, the same college coach would sit there and complain about it is the one that's parked front center watching games. Right. And you go back You go back to the way it was when I was coming through. I played Legion. Yeah, we practiced. We either had a practice or a game pretty much six days a week. But, you know, as a college coach or a scout, I mean, you go to a Legion game, you might find three players – where you go to one of our games against a high-level team, you might find 10. So, you know, pick your poison. You know, I mean, there's too much of it. There's water down for sure. That's a problem. I don't know how you really govern that or stop that, um, other than just being the know of who's who and try to – a little group of, of us have gotten together, me and seven other guys that are high-level teams have gotten together, and our 17U groups are going to play each other was going to be in Columbia, South Carolina this summer. I think we just, officially this morning, I think we moved it to Oxford, Alabama. Uh, Baseball America got involved. And, I mean, that's eight teams right there where you know what you're going to get. And it's um, maybe some more stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, like you just mentioned um, right there, is so many people out there want to play at the next level. And so there's so many travel teams out there. So you're – you're just bound to have, I mean, bad baseball in a sense, just because, I mean, it, mm-hmm. just the numbers don't add up. And it's, it's, it is unfair in a sense, you know, you guys are in a tournament, whether it be a perfect game or PBR, whatever it may be, and are matched up with some, you know, local summer team, you know, um, Little League, whatever it may be, and just absolutely destroy them. I mean, nobody really wins in that, in that scenario. Yeah, and that happens. Um We've done a pretty good job of governing where we go and where we play. We've even scaled back even more so this summer, dropped a few things we were doing. Because when you look up and you leave an event, you scored 78 runs, given up three. Uh, probably, I mean, there's, there's, there's a, there is a space for that with some of our other teams, but not this team that we're talking about. I mean, you kind of got to sort out your competition. Um, now, some of them are just a – it just is what it is, and you're going to roll in, and you're going to play in some of those pools, like you said, and play some of those teams, and, and you kind of got to wait till you get to the playoff bracket play stuff to, to get the good competition. And it sucks. It happened to us several times where you had that scenario where you, where you score like 70 runs, 80 runs, and six games and give up like one run the whole weekend, and you run in the first game against some dude with 93 with a slider and a plus changeup, and your, your, your tail's going home. I mean, you you just got beat in the first round, and you're you're all, you're going home, and you were there for seven days, and you got one good game. I mean, that's happened, and it's tough. How many really good tournaments are out there? Um, there are some. There are some. I mean, you know, Perfect Game does a good job. I mean, they they care. Um, you know, Taylor McCullough over there, and Andy the Fords, and they they really care. They care about their customers. Um, very personable, you know, they, I think that they have some events that are bigger so that they're, that's going to make it where you're going to run some of those teams, but they're also really have had an outreach to try to run some more elite level events. They run this thing in uh, Hoover where the SEC tournament is. And that thing was really good last year. And they're really, they care, they're doing that. And their world series events are more 
uh, elite, that thing they do in Jupiter, Florida in the fall, you know, they, they do a good job. Um, they, they've got a lot of good events. I think, uh, starting to get to know Sean Duncan with PBR. I think he, he's trying, uh, to run some elite level events. And, um, and I think there's a space for the, the not so elite events. There's nothing wrong with a kid wanting to play baseball. It's not going to play baseball at the division one level or college level. There's nothing wrong with that. I think there's a space for that too. I mean, I mean, I coached this high school down the road. I got kids on my team that aren't going to play in college and they just want to play baseball. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's when you get them together, it starts to make it challenging. You know, it's like, I don't think you look at uh, the AAU basketball team that LeBron James son is on. Uh, they're pretty good. I don't, I don't think you want to match them up against, you know, a local JV team. I mean, that's, that's not going to be fun to watch. Um, so it's, just trying to figure that govern that out. USA baseball's starting to reach outreach and do some elite, more elite level tournaments that we were actually registered for it. It's in June. I don't, hopefully it still happens. Um, and then we're trying to do something as well with that group. I told you about baseball. America has uh, put tagged their name on it. It's called the ultimate baseball classic. And it's us and the Orlando scorpions, uh, the dirt bags, um, Florida burn elite squad out of their Richie Palmer based out of, um, Miami, uh, team elite, uh, maybe the team elite's got one of the best programs in the country. Um, five star really top tier program in the country. And it was the eight of us have gotten together and we're going to do that thing together. So I mean, just, there's some good stuff out there. Yeah, no, no question about that. Um, you know, there's definitely more good than bad, um, overall and really anything, but, what would you, like? How do you go about get helping these kids um, get recruited for colleges, or are they already committed? Usually, by the time they're with you, my team that I have, they're all committed. They're all committed. I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, you're dealing with these kids uncommitting. You know, that's a thing that happens every summer. A yeah, why do kids uncommit uncommit. so much? I, I, my theory is they get together. So our American team plays with our national team we stay under the same roof we practice together so there's 25 kids on that team 25 kids on the national team there's 50 kids in one room they're all committed and i think they get together and they're like you know seven of them going to unc and then you got this kid over here is going to whatever college it is and they gets become best buddies with this group of kids and i think they behind the scenes start saying you should come play at my college or whatever and i think that that happens when, you know, I think it's a breakdown with the families. If you commit to something, you need to commit to it. I mean, if you commit to XYZ college, you need, you need to stick to your commitment. Um, but isn't that the problem where, with a 14-year-old committing to a college? I mean, at 14 years old, I mean, you're just trying to, I mean, you don't even know what you are doing. I think it's ridiculous. I don't think a 14-year-old should come to college. But you know, I have two boys. I don't know if either of them will play baseball. They might play a piano. I don't know. I'm going to love them either way. But if if one of them is good enough to be offered at 14 years old, it's not, there's just no way. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm not – you know, I'll tell you, I got a kid on my team this summer. He's playing in a grad class up, and he, he actually played two grad classes up with us last year. I mean, kids got, like, Bryce Harper-type potential. I mean, it's special. And his dad played in the Rockies organization – um, his name's Ryan Clifford. He's a left-handed hitting outfield from Raleigh, North Carolina. And they won't even take calls from colleges. The dad's just like, we're not ready. 
we're, we're going to focus on developing right now. And we'll, we'll deal with that. Like, in, we'll deal with, we, they, he had recently reached out and said they might take a call. This, they might start taking some calls this summer. That's good to hear. And he's going to be a, yeah, I mean, they just got a feel, they got a pulse for it. Um, so it happens sometimes, but I don't know. It's a, I'm with you. It's tough. How often do you have colleges who will pull their offer from um, one of your players? Happens all the time. Really? Happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, if a kid goes backwards, I mean, there's no, it's not on the, it's not on the dotted line. See, that's where you fix this thing. If you're, if, a, if, a, if XYZ college is going to offer a 14 year old sign, sign him, sign him. You'll see this stuff stop. If you're forced to sign the kid right then and there, you won't see 14 year olds offered anymore. It's just a verbal commitment is all it is, you know? And then they can't sign until the fall of the senior year. So these kids are, are committing when they're 14, 15, and then the colleges are just basically just watching them, just seeing how they develop. And if they don't like how they're developing after when they're checking in, then they just, they're just going to pull the offer right away. Bingo. Would you say those are most of the bigger schools like SEC, ACC, or is it a little bit of everyone? I think bigger is is more likely just because they're signing, they're committing more guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, you know, I'm friends with a lot of these guys, good guys. Um, I mean, I saw you had Monty Lee on your show. He's, I love Monty. I mean, I've been I worked camps with Monty for for years, and um, you know, I go back with him when he was a volunteer in South Carolina. I'd come into town and we'd eat at Waffle House because neither of us could afford anything different, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But he's the kind of guy that he's going to, he's going to stick to his word. You know what I mean? He's not going to pull an offer unless it gets real bad. Right. But then it becomes, it becomes a, a I don't think, and even, I, even you say pull, he might call up a kid and say, listen, this is where you're at. This is where you were when I committed you. This is where you are now. I mean, I might be doing you a disservice if you show up. Yeah. You know, and let the, let the kid make the decision, you know, and and then the kid, the kid needs to own up. I mean, the kid needs to own up too. I mean, you know, some of these kids commit to colleges and they're like, Oh, I'm good. I committed. I'm good. I don't need to work anymore. I don't need to play anymore. Dude, dude, you better freaking get in the gym. You better freaking play as much baseball as you can at the highest level you can find. You bet. If you're a position player, you better log as many ABs, competitive ABs as you can. Pitchers, you need to get guys out, like good hitters out, not, you know, be dominant with the little town you're from, and then expect to walk into Vanderbilt and compete for a job as a freshman. So I think that there's a, it's a double-edged sword, you know. When you're, if you are like helping a player hypothetically, because I know you said your players are already committed for the most part. If you're like helping him with that recruiting process, would you would you like recommend to him maybe a mid-major school sometimes, just because of not having to worry about getting your offer pulled? And hey, I mean, you're playing D one, you're going to be playing those bigger schools regardless anyway. And so, if your ultimate goal is to get to professional baseball, like you got to play. And just in my state, you can go to Liberty University. Scott Jackson's the head coach. State of the art facilities. If you want to work your tail off, you're going to play high-level baseball, and you got a chance to play professional baseball. I mean, 
I'm also not on the Division One train. You know, I with me you know, on our national team, those guys are Division One players. But on some of our other clubs, I mean, we we were talking with Ray, uh, Ray Hedrick with Randolph Macon. They had a great Division Three program here right outside of Richmond, and they they win. They, they develop guys. I mean, he's a he's the kind of guy you want your son playing for. I mean, it's a lot of good baseball out there. I just think it's a matter of, like you said, playing and finding and finding that fit. You know, that's mm-hmm. good for you. How often does it happen where a kid will make it to um, the college that he's at, whether it be a big school um, or wherever it may be at, and then after fall ball, the coach sits him down and be like, hey, I think you need to transfer to a junior college? Happens all the time. Jeez, Happens man. Happens all the time. I mean, so would their scholarship, though, still count for that year, or be, or, did it, or do the colleges do that so they can get that money and then offer it to someone I else? I know it's a situation – Yes, I know, and I'm, I'm not going to – there's a – that went to a big school and got sat down at the break. And what you're, what you're expecting as the coach is when you say that, the kid's going to leave. And when he leaves – don't quote me on this, but when he leaves, I believe the scholarship money comes back to you. Mm. Like you just expect that he's going to go to XYZ JUCO or whatever. Well, in this case, the kid's like, oh, okay, cool. He stayed. He didn't leave the school. Well, they still had to pay his scholarship for the three three years or four years or whatever. He never left. <laughs> so that backfired. And in that, and in that case, that coach just got the job, and he didn't even sign the kid. Like he, he that that was that situation. Um, he he inherited the kid. He didn't recruit him. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk like I'm some expert on it. But if you're a baseball player and a coach sits you down at the break and says, you ought to transfer, I mean, I'll, I'm going to want to transfer. Yeah. I'm going to want to ju- go to junior college and play. Um, Do you blame these college coaches but, yeah. for, for kind of being ruthless in that regard and doing that? Or, I mean, like how, how can it be improved, I guess I should say? I think they're working in a governing body that, that it's in it's in the confines of what the rules are. You know, do you think I mean, the rules need to be changed? Yeah, I do. I I I, I think they do. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't seem right with a lot of that goes on. Um, it, that's my opinion. Um, but I mean, can you fault? These high these high profile jobs where if you don't win, you're going to get fired. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know that they're wrong per se. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of a tough situation. It is, you know. Um, can't say that if I was at such and such college, let's say me and you were sitting at such and such college, and we're trying to get to Omaha. And we're recruiting, we're away from our families, and you can sign these players. They want to come to school. You know, of course, you're going to try to stay in some sort of a guidelines of the numbers, right? And not just be, I think if you, I think if you oversign like crazy, but then you're dealing with drafts, right? So you, that's a variable that you don't know if the kid's going to show up. And then, so you've got to plan for that. But how do you really plan for that? You're not dealing in, not two plus two is four. It's not it's not exact numbers here, so it's some variables there with it too. So it's complicated for sure. 
Yeah, I've been trying to keep track of, um, you know, some of the NCA rulings just on what's happened with the virus and everything for um, mm -hmm. next season. What's that going to look like? I mean, is there going to be rosters, just fit 40, 50 players? I mean, are you talking to some of your players? I so. and like, hey, I don't know if this is going to be a great fit for you because there's going to be so many more players now. Yeah, I brought it up to a couple kids. Um, I also think, like, high schools need to consider re letting some of these kids reclass. Mm. I mean, this is an effect that's going to last more than a year. You know, it's if you're a kid and you walking into a four year school and playing as a freshman is hard enough as it is. And if you mentally can't handle the grind of sitting behind somebody and working through being down in the depth chart and you, and I can think of a couple kids right now that I know that are in high school that have had silver spoons in their mouth their whole life, no fault of their own. And they're used to getting what they want and they go off to, college they're going to have a hard time if this didn't happen so then you throw in this they might not get on the field until they're a senior or a junior I, if if uh time is if the past is any indication of how they handle things in the future they're just going to leave they're going to be upset at the break or whatever and they're going to want to leave it's so yeah i think it's a mess to answer your question yeah, no, I, I really do hear you, and hopefully there's some kids out there who are going to listen to this episode and will take you up on, on what you're, you just got done preaching right there and will continue to work hard if they have been or start if they haven't been um, doing so already. Um, going back to what we were talking about earlier and developing um, within the team setting, especially in the summertime, because I, I see your point of you know playing a lot of games in a short amount of time because you can't replicate that in-game type of um, um, anxiety, right, if you will, or just that feel, uh, pressure situations, things like that. But you also need to do have some time for development as well. And I, it sounds like you guys do a little bit of both, but it would just be nice to see more teams um, do that versus just throw everything out and just go play because you, you have to be able to do both. And I think players to develop need to have both where it's not just developing and practice and, and running guns and, and, and high level, high uh, VLO machines, but it's competition. Right. And I agree as with well. you. And we're going to have to take a close look at that. We really are. I mean, it might, it, it might, it might be, well, but we might have to really adjust. We really might have to adjust our thinking and have a couple of weeks of practice, no games, simulated games off machines, bullpens, throwing, yep. getting outside and actually taking ground balls and throwing and, and, and just getting back in the, the swing of things before you throw them to the wolves. You, you got a good point. But I do like um, what you were saying before um, we started recording where it's pretty cool. And I like how you talked about before you guys go to a tournament or when you get to a tournament, before you actually start, you have a full day to practice. You'll rent a field. You'll go through some of the fundamentals practice. And then you also said that you guys actually bring a pitching machine along as well so they can get some off speed, some velocity and things like that. I would like to see more teams get creative and not everyone's going to be able to do that maybe from a budget standpoint, but I bet you can get pretty creative though and come pretty close to that. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I just feel like you know, we've got the bus, so it'll come up here to our office, load up our machines, and we put them on the road. And, yeah, they go with us everywhere. I mean, I, I love them for ground balls, too. I mean, there's, I love you – know, we, we swing fungos all day long, too, but the, the, the backspin that you get off of that thing is pretty good as well. And then just being able to – we have those – we just bought that new ATEC machine. and I, I love hack attacks as well, but ATEC just came out with a new machine. Um, that I, that I actually, it's kind of a, in between the junior and the big hack attack. And it, it's good, good with velocity, good with spin, um, obviously from both left and right side. And, and you, you can't duplicate 90 miles an hour from, you know, from the mound or right in front of the mound and spin like plus spin and stuff, throwing BP to guys. And don't get me wrong. We throw plenty of BP and, and, and all that, but it is nice to have. And, and, and those, those machines, I mean, you could have one shooting fly balls, um, one doing BP, another one doing ground balls. You could have a couple fungos going. I mean, you could have like seven things going at once. I mean, with those machines in play, and it's, it's just high. How many highly games efficient. do you guys play? Last year we played forty-three. Last summer, um, and it was one of our best summers. We we went forty-one and two last summer, which was absurd, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it, I like the machines, and I like having all that stuff, and I like having the day of practice. I do. I think it's important. Yeah, very. it is, it is really important. Um, the reason I was asking about games is I, I'm curious. I was curious as to how some of these tournaments line up the games. You said you guys are on the road 40 days but only play like 43 games. So are you – they're not – having you guys play double headers it's usually just one game a day well a lot of times it's one game a day but if, so if we were on the road that was a rough estimate but you gotta realize that's probably seven days of practice in there so if it was seven tournaments that's seven days of practice no game mm-hmm. um and a lot of games a lot of days it is one game and then you get in those playoff runs where you might play freaking six games in three days or you know six games in two days or whatever it's crazy um, so it evens out. It does. It does. Um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, it even it evens out. But those those extra days that we push for on the road for practice kind of levels that out for sure. I had a uh, Nate Metzger on a couple a couple weeks ago now, and uh, he was talking about you know now is an interesting time because kids can't play, and so recruiting and you know I've I uh, help. Uh, train of a couple kids as well and then they're obviously you know worried as as well about recruiting and you know how are they going to be able to play college baseball if they can't show their skills right now what would you tell a player right now who wants to get recruited um but obviously and there's no baseball i would say work 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 and work and just try to take care of yourself and keep your you know your nose down man I mean, this is a time right now where you could be lifting weights, um, find a way to stay fit, get stronger, make gains physically. You can find a way to get some swings in. I mean, find a way. You know, that's what I would do. Yeah. I mean, if you make excuses, I mean, you're going to find out. We're going to find out. I don't know when this thing's going to get lifted. I don't know when we're going to get back to baseball. I got to assume it's going to happen one day. I hope. Um, <laughs> and when that happens, I mean, you're going to see it's going to be like an HD quality 
who was doing what. Oh, that kid was working hard during the during the layoff. That kid was uh, playing a lot of video games, watching a lot of Netflix, and eating a lot of Cheetos. Yeah, that, that guy that guy wasn't working very hard during this layoff. So I mean, you're just not you can't. It's a variable you can't control. This. So I mean, I mean, you're not going to get recruited right now. You're, and in colleges right now, I hate to say it, are probably. I had a kid get dropped last week from an ACC school who played on our American team last summer. And, you know, I mean, I haven't started formally calling people to see if there's a fit form, but you and I both know based off what we were just talking about, it's not like people are short on numbers. Why would they drop them last week when there's been no baseball for over a month? I don't know the answer to that. I haven't, I haven't formally, I didn't tell them. I haven't formally asked why I haven't, I matter of fact, I haven't even talked to the kid. Um, one of our assistant coaches on that team called me last week and informed me of it. And I don't know exactly the whole the whole situation. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I'll find out. When that happens to one of your players, do you will you directly call the college coach and and kind of ask what's going on? Sure, I will. Sure, I will. Yeah, I mean that was found that out on Friday. Easter's been here this weekend. Yeah, yo, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to know. I mean, you know, and it very well could be something the kid did. Yeah. You know, or it very well could be. And you know, I this fall, there was two weeks left in the season. Coach, head coach, and ACC shows up to watch his kid. He's got committed on his team. Pitch. And the kid had been bad, really. He hadn't. Been, he'd gone backwards. He had a bad summer. He his fall was just progressively got worse and worse. Velocity was down. Head coach shows up. Kid was bad. I mean, walked a bunch of guys. Velo way down. Coach calls me up after the game. You know, he's like, you know, is this basically what it's been like? I mean, what am I going to do? Lie? You know? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, this is really what yeah. it's been. And he decommitted the kid. That's the situation where the kid for whatever reason you maybe didn't hold up his end of the bargain. So, yeah, you know, it varies. Yeah. That's interesting. What well, Jeff, I appreciate your time, man. Absolutely. I mean, this has been a, a really informing episode. I mean, I've, you know, really have been curious about kind of your, you know, the Canes baseball, you know, you guys are just nationally juggernauts um, year in, year out. And so it's, it's pretty cool to see how you balance not, not just playing as many games as possible, but making sure the kids do develop and also some insight on the recruiting aspect as well. So yeah. I appreciate, you know, all of that really. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me and uh, wishing the best of luck with everything. Thanks for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Make sure to go subscribe on iTunes so you can stay up to date on the latest trends and techniques being taught in player development. Until next week, hope everyone stays safe.